You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Psalm chapter number 18, we'll begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation, and my high tower. Verse number 3, I will call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from mine enemies. The sorrows of death compassed me, and the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me. In my distress I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry came before him even into his ears. Amen. And let's pray. Lord, we love you. Please speak to us tonight. Uh, You have been so good to us. You've blessed us so richly today and this past week. And Lord, as we look back over this year of 2022, you have been so good to us. Uh, We thank you for the miracles that you do uh, week in and week out. And your faithfulness and your goodness and your mercies are truly, they're new every morning. And we're grateful for it. And tonight we come before you because we are a needy people. We need something from your word. We need you to help us. We need you to speak to us. We've got areas in our lives that need to be fixed. We've got uh, places in our hearts that need to be changed and made whole. And I pray that you do a mighty work in these few moments, not because of the preacher, but because of the message, because of the truth of the Word of God, and because of the power of the Holy Spirit of God that I believe is at work in our midst tonight. We pray these things in Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Now... Brother Dan was reading in Psalms, but I'm over here in 2 Samuel 22. Would you look with me at 2 Samuel 22? I'm telling you, you ever think you're losing your mind? Amen. Thank you, Brother Curry. I'm not the only one. Oh, now look at 2 Samuel. Are you in 2 Samuel yet? Look at 2 Samuel 22 and verse number 1. Said, and David spake unto the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord had delivered him out of the hand of all his enemies and out of the hand of Saul. And he said, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, the God of my rock in him will I trust. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation. He is my high tower and my refuge. My Savior, thou savest me from violence. Verse 4, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. Now, were you all reading in the book of Psalms? Because I was in 2 Samuel. Oh, it is the same thing. Okay, well, let's look back at Psalm 18, but hold your place at 2 Samuel 22. We find in 2 Samuel, this is the historical account of this psalm. But as we know, the book of Psalms is the compilation of the songs and the hymns for the children of Israel. So what David did was in 2 Samuel, he just got happy. He just started praising God and giving his testimony and rejoicing in the goodness of God. 
And then later on, he got to thinking and he said, you know what? That wasn't just good for me. That's good for everybody. And he put that together as a psalm. And notice in Psalm 18, notice the description of the psalm up before you even start verse 1. It says, to the chief musician, that was Asaph, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who spake unto the Lord the words of this psalm in the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And he said, and then it starts the psalm. We see in Psalm 18 and 2 Samuel 22, we see a few things that I want to draw your attention to and I hope will be a help and a blessing to you. This psalm has helped me. Number one, I want you to notice David's role. David's role, he is the king of Israel. He is a mighty man of God. He is the one that defeated Goliath. Now, I want to tell you, I thank God. I thank God that I still have my place in 2 Samuel. Let me get my marker here. Hold that thought. I thank the Lord for victories over Goliath. Aren't you glad for some victories that God has done in your life? And some Goliaths and some giants that God has delivered you from? Let me make this very clear. I believe we should praise God for the rest of our lives for the victories God has done in the past. But you can't live today just on the victories of the past. You need some victories today. And I need some victories today. I'll tell you, our churches are filled with David's who have slain Goliath, but for the rest of their life, they never conquer any more giants. They never see any more answers to prayer. They never win anybody else to the Lord. They never serve God in, in any other capacity. They're always looking back and saying, I remember Goliath. Well, praise God that you remember Goliath. And I hope you've had some Goliath moments. I hope you've had some moments where you know it was only God. You couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. There was no way. It was a, a beyond our ability, but God did it. And you ought to praise God for that. That's what David is doing here. However, Goliath was not the only giant that David ever faced. And your Goliath is not going to be the only giant that you ever face. You know how I know that? Because you got some giants today. And I've got some giants today. And the same God that delivered from Goliath back in the day or 20 years ago or, or 10 years ago or five years ago, how many years ago, that same God can deliver you today from whatever that giant is. So we see David's role. Now, I got off on a rabbit trail, but let me say, let me talk to you about his role. David was the king. David was a mighty warrior. He was a conqueror. He was a, an, an incredible man. He was a, a great musician. But David uses a different title to describe himself. Notice in the description of Psalm 18. He says, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord. Now, why would David describe himself as the servant of the Lord? Why not say the king of Israel? Why not say the man that conquered Goliath? Why not say the sweet psalmist of Israel as he was referred to in other cases? Why would he not say that? I believe for this reason. 
Because this, in David's mind, was his greatest role. This was his most, uh, 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 most uh, uh, personal and the, 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 the title that he held the closest and the title that he desired the most. He said, I don't have to be the king. I don't have to be the one that conquered Goliath. I don't have to be the one writing the Psalms. I just want to be a servant of the Lord. And I want to tell you tonight, I don't know what title you go by. I don't know what your title, what title is your claim to fame, but I'll tell you this, whether it's pastor, whether it's teacher, whether it's singer, whether it's Sunday school teacher or bus captain or whether it's junior church preacher or whether it's a, a husband or wife or father or mother, all of those are wonderful titles. And I'm not saying they're not important, but none of those compare to the privilege we have to be a servant of the Lord. That's why we're here to serve God. There is no greater calling. There is no higher honor than to be a servant of Jehovah. There is no greater mission in life than to serve God with your life. That title, servant of the Lord, is found several times in the Bible. It's found the most to describe Moses. Moses was referred to over and over and over again as the servant of the Lord. We're talking about Moses that led a million and a half Jews out of Egypt. Moses that led the campaign through the, the, the Red Sea on dry ground. Moses that saw manna fall from heaven and water come from the rock. And yet Moses' title, he said, I just want to be a servant of the Lord. It's interesting, the next person in the Bible that was called the servant of the Lord was Joshua. I wonder why Joshua thought that was important. Maybe because he saw Moses, his leader. And Joshua saw that Moses wasn't worried about the titles and he wasn't worried about the praise and he wasn't worried about the accolades. Moses said, I just want to be a faithful servant of the Lord. And Joshua said, that's what I want. Friend, I want to tell you, it's said about Moses, it's said about Joshua, it's said about David. There's not many people it's said about, but what an honor. Wouldn't it be great tonight if there'd be some people that say, I don't know about that guy. I don't know about that lady, but I know this. They are servants of the Lord. Whatever you're doing for the Lord, I want to tell you it's important. Whatever you're doing for God, it matters. You say, well, I don't think my position is as important as somebody else, or I don't think my role is as important as somebody else. If you're serving the Lord, you could not get a higher honor if you tried. Because David said, I'm a king. I'm a, I'm a ruler. I'm a leader. I'm a military general. I'm a songwriter. But most of all, I'm a servant of the Lord. I wonder tonight if that's the role that you would claim. I wonder if you could walk out of here tonight and say, how could I be a better servant of the Lord? You know, a servant doesn't have his or her own agenda. A servant doesn't go into the day and say, I wonder what I could do to make myself happy. A servant goes into the day and says, what can I do to please my master? I wonder what we could do this week to please the Lord. What, what could you do tomorrow that would please your master? What could I do tomorrow that, that would please the Lord? That ought to be our heartbeat. That ought to be our desire. That ought to be our role. We see in this psalm that David in the... Um, in the description, he says that he was the servant of the Lord. 
who spake unto the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. We see, number one, the role, but number two, I see David's reflection. David took some time to reflect. Notice what he says. God delivered me from the hand of all my enemies. He delivered me from the hand of Saul. Now, David doesn't even mention Goliath here. But when David was getting ready to fight Goliath, remember the conversation he had with Saul? Saul said, son, I don't know if you can do this, and I don't know if you're going to be able to handle this guy. And so Saul wanted to give him the armor. Remember that? And David said this, my God delivered me from the paw, another word for hand, that, that's the same word in the Hebrew. He delivered me from the paw of the lion. He delivered me from the paw of the bear, and he will deliver me from the hand of this uncircumcised Philistine. So David's reflecting. He said, boy, God's delivered me from the lion. He's delivered me from the bear. He delivered me from Goliath. He delivered me from the hand of all my enemies. He even delivered me from the hand of Saul, who was my father-in-law, the one who was trying to kill me. And David is reflecting. I wonder tonight what your list would look like if you took out a pen and paper and uh, instead of making a grocery list at church or instead of making a to-do list of all the things you got to do tomorrow, but I wonder what it would look like if you took out a pen and paper and you started listing all the things that God has delivered you from. Can I tell you, if you're honest, it'd be a pretty long list because we all get ourselves into a lot of bad situations. We get ourselves into a lot of trouble and that's without the world, the flesh and the devil, right? That's just our own old sinful nature. But I wonder what that list would look like. Maybe tonight or tomorrow you need to take some time to reflect. Just thank God for what he's done in your life. Thank God for how he brought you to this place. And thank God for the miracles and the victories that he has won. I'm thankful that God delivers us out of the hand of the enemy. But then God keeps us safe and secure in his hand. What a God, what a powerful God we have. Number one, the role, David says. Number two, his reflection. But then number three, I want you to notice David's relationship. It says in verse number one, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. I believe that David is one of the most amazing Bible characters in the Old Testament. He's a fun one to study, just to see all that God did in his life. Did you know David was called and referred to as a man after God's own heart? What an honor, what a compliment. Could you imagine if, if God would say that about you? Say, I tell you, that, that Jonathan, there's a man after my own heart. That Michael, that's a man after my own heart. That Kyle, that's a man after... Boy, I tell you what, I'd love to have that, uh, that description of me. But what happened to David? David got messed up in sin. Boy, he, he really made a mess of things. You say, well, I guess God never used him after that. Are you kidding me? God used him greatly. How about in the New Testament? How about a man by the name of Peter? 
Boy, Peter was amazing. Peter did some amazing things and said some amazing things, but Peter also said some pretty foolish things. But after Peter denied the Lord, Jesus came to Peter and said, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? And after Peter got things right with God, Peter went on to preach at Pentecost where over 3,000 people got saved in the same day and baptized and added to the church. I don't think God was done with Peter. God was still using Peter. You say, well, what happened with David? What happened with Peter? I believe this. I believe that it was their love for God that kept them going. And you know, you and I, we're going to have some setbacks and we're going to have some disappointments. There's going to be some times in your life where you feel like you fall off the boat. There's going to be times in your life where you feel like you get off track. But you know what's going to get you back on track? There's only one thing. And it's not going to be your commitment. It's not going to be your dedication. It's not going to be your discipline. It's not going to be your experience. The one thing that will get you back on track, the one thing that will get me back on track every time is when we think about how much God loves us and we get back to a love for God that is real. You see, if you don't have a love for God, I, I, don't, I don't foresee that you're going to stay faithful to God for a long time. Now, and maybe you will. You say, well, I knew somebody didn't even love God and they were, well, well, maybe. But you know, our love is what really matters. Our, our love is what is important to God. That's the first and great commandment. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. And if you don't have a love for God, and if I don't have a love for God, we're missing it. We're wasting our time. We're just going through the motions. Uh, we're just, we are literally, we are literally throwing our life away if we don't have a love for God. David says, Lord, I will love thee. Don't lose your love for God. Don't lose your focus on God. Don't lose your relationship with God. Number three, David's relationship. He had a love for God. I hope tonight, I hope you haven't got so wrapped up in the busyness of church and the busyness of life and the busyness of ministry that you have left your first love. We've been talking about that in Revelation. The church at Laodicea, guess what the problem was? They were lukewarm. They were, they were lukewarm in their love. The church at Ephesus, they left their first love. That's a problem. We've got to get back to a love for Christ. It's one reason why I wanted us to restart that song tonight and get it right. Oh, how I love Jesus because he first loved me. Do you love him tonight? Do you love Jesus more now than you did last year at this time? Do you love Jesus more? Is your relationship better with Jesus now than it was five years ago or 10 years ago or however far back you want to go? The longer you know him and the longer you serve him, your relationship, my relationship should be closer with him, not further apart. I see the relationship, number three, number four. I see the rock that David speaks of. He says in verse number one, the Lord is my uh, strength. And then verse number two, the Lord is my rock. He is my fortress. He is my deliverer. He is my God, my strength in whom I will trust. He is my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. Let's go through these words very quickly. Number one, he says, God, you're my rock. That rock is a stronghold of security. He says, God, you're my fortress. That's, that's like a castle. 
He says, God, you're the, you're the one I can run to when the enemy's coming after me and I can get inside and close the door and I know that you're going to take care of me. He says, God, you are my deliverer. A deliverer is one who comes in and who carries someone away to safety. It is one who comes in to rescue. I don't know if you've seen some of these uh, water rescues during these hurricanes, but it's amazing how they'll come in with a helicopter and they'll have someone that'll come down with a rope and someone is literally being swept away by floodwaters and that, that rescuer will come in at the last moment and will snatch up that person before the waters overtake them. Can I tell you, that was you. That was me before Jesus came around. But aren't you glad he delivered you? He delivered me. He rescued us. It says he is my strength. That word strength there means rock. He is my buckler. That is a shield. He is my horn. That word horn is a word for strength, a symbol of power. He is my high tower, another, another word for a stronghold. But we see number four, David says, God is my rock. But number five, we see David's reliance. He said, my strength is not in me. My fortress is not in my city or, or my walls or my soldiers. My deliverer is not my bodyguard. He says, my hope is in God. I want to ask you tonight, who are you relying on to get you through this week? Who are you trusting in to get you through the week? People will let you down. Say, well, I'm my boss. He's a, he's really, he's a pretty good guy. I think he'll take care of me. Well, I hope so. But earthly friends may prove untrue. But I'm glad Jesus never fails. We see David's reliance, number five. Number six, we see David's rejoicing. He says in verse three, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. Would you hold your place in Psalm 18 and turn with me to the book of Revelation. We will be in this chapter in a few weeks on Wednesday nights, but I want you to see Revelation chapter 5. This word, worthy, is only found one time in the whole book of Psalms, and it's right here in Psalm 18, verse 3. He says, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. That means that God is, he's worth praising. He is one that when you praise God, you are not giving him anything more than he deserves. He deserves every bit of the praise that you can give him. But David says he is worthy to be praised. Revelation chapter 4 and verse number 10, the Bible describes the scene in heaven. I believe this is after the judgment seat of Christ when uh, we receive the crowns for our service for Christ. But verse 10 says, The four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Would you read with me the first three words of verse 11? Ready, begin. Thou art worthy. Would you read those three words again? Thou art worthy. Hey, I want to tell you, friend, tonight, Jesus is worthy of your praise. Amen. You say, well, I haven't been praising him. Then you are robbing Jesus of something that he deserves. You are robbing him of something that rightly belongs to him. He is worthy to be praised. Notice verse 11. 
Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Notice Revelation chapter 5 describes the scene in heaven. There's a problem. Because there is a wicked world that is needing judgment. And the Bible says in verse number 1 that there is a book with seven seals that have sealed the scroll or sealed the book. In verse 2, I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? Verse 3, And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. You know what that means? It means there's nobody in this building that's worthy. There's nobody in Roanoke Rapids that's worthy. There's nobody in the state of North Carolina that's worthy. There's nobody in the 50 United States that's worthy. There's nobody on planet earth that is worthy. There's not even anyone in heaven of all the saints who've already gone on. There's no one that is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals. Verse 4, and I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. But notice verse number 9. And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and open the seals thereof. Whoa, whoa, who are we talking about? Well, verse number 8 gives us the answer. Verse 8 says, And when he had taken the book, the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And verse number 9, They sung the song to him, Thou art worthy. Verse 12, Saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches, and wisdom, and strength, and honor, and glory, and blessing. Verse 14, And the four beasts said, Amen, and the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. Here's what I'm trying to say tonight. That David's rejoicing was in the fact that God was worthy. I, I, don't, know, I don't know what you're going through tonight in your mind and in your heart. But I want to encourage you tonight with this thought that everything that you are doing for the Lord, every decision you are making for Christ, uh, every hour you are spending with the Lord or for the Lord or for the Lord's work, every dime you have invested in the work of God, every prayer that you have prayed, every door that you have knocked on, every time you've gotten on a bus route, every time you've served in a nursery, every time you've gotten up and sung in a choir, every time you've stood on that lobby and handed out bulletins and greeted people, every time you have served the Lord, I want to tell you this, He's worthy of your service. I look around this room and I, I, I shouldn't start naming names because if I name your name, you may feel like I'm calling you old or you may... Be offended or I may leave some people out. But I think about some folks in our church. I think about folks like the Babs. Brother Bab, I know I'm catching you on the spot, but how many years you've been in church and roughly how many years you've been serving the Lord? Wow. It's a lot of years. And you're 87 years old now and 
Would you say that for those of us that are younger, would you say it's worth it to serve the Lord? Amen. There's a head nod right there. Brother Fats, I saw you over there. You've been serving the Lord for a long time. Would you say it's worth it to serve the Lord? Every day. Every day. I see the suits right up here. Of course, you've been here for a long time, but you were serving the Lord in Baltimore for many years. Is it worth it to serve the Lord? Can I tell you, for those of you that might be wondering, maybe talk to Bobby and Edna Jones and ask them if it's worth it to serve the Lord. Maybe talk to some of these folks who've been serving God for 30, 40, 50 years in the ministry. And ask them if they have any regrets. Uh, ask Brother Perry in the back. Say, Brother Perry, do you have any regrets serving the Lord? No. Miss Irma, you have any regrets serving the Lord? Miss Patsy, Miss Judy, and you ladies are not old, but do you have any regrets serving the Lord? I want to tell you what. It's worth it to serve God. Miss Naomi, I just saw you right over here. You have any regrets of all the years you've served the Lord? No. For those of us that are younger, for those of us who haven't been in it for a lifetime, can I tell you this? He's worthy. Amen. And David sang and David praised and he said, God's delivered me from the hand of all my enemies. God's delivered me from the hand of Saul and I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. I hope tonight, I hope you'll leave with this thought and this reminder. He is worthy. It is worth it to serve God. It is worth it to live for Him. It is worth it, young people, to surrender your life to serve God. It is worth it to stay pure. It is worth it to surrender to whatever God has. It is worth it to stay in church. It is worth it to stay in Sunday school. It is worth it to serve in the ministry. It is worth it to give. It is worth it to serve. It is worth it because, not because we're worthy, but because He is worthy. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.